1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac,
2: and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
1: Breaking news. According to a federal indictment, an unnamed assistant coach on Creighton's basketball staff received a $6,000 bribe from an inspiring sports agent in exchange for influence over players. Kind of makes you glad to only be worried about whether or not consultants were around Nebraska's program.
0: (laughs) I'm
2: also with Mac.
0: What's up, Redcasters? I am happy to report I just got our off-season numbers, and on average, the Redcasters have gone up about 2.5 pounds of lean mass. So good job, fellas. Nice. Keep it up. Nice. Can't wait to see those bench
2: numbers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm also with Boomer.
3: Well, I would just like to make the announcement in regard to the uh, looming uh, vacancy at, at the head of the uh, Big Ten Conference that if drafted, I will not run. If nominated, I will not accept. If elected, I will not serve unless I'm allowed to throw Rutgers out, in which case then we can talk. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was big news that Jim Delaney's finally announced that he will be stepping down from Big Ten commissioner in 2020, though. They have plenty of time to actually kind of uh, formulate – Boomer's platform and get some funding for his campaign to be the Big Ten commissioner. Um, Before we get to that, though, uh, we've got a lot of stuff happening right here in Husker land. We had a nice uh, press conference, kind of almost like a little media day of sorts, on Tuesday with the Husker coaches for spring ball. Mac Honky, I'm sure you've probably watched every last second of that. Uh, maybe Honky, why don't you start off? What, what are you uh, What are you hearing out there?
1: Well, I think the the top thing, and this kind of piggybacks off of what Mac started off with, talking about with the the weight room gains is what Frost talked about with what the team has done since the Iowa game. 13 pounds of lean muscle per player, 100 pounds average. Added on average to the players' max fifty pounds on their bench.
0: I mean, these guys have been working it, Mac. Yeah, that's been the you know each coach. It was kind of interesting the way they did the media day this this week because each each coach had a, like a round table and it was kind of a long format so they could do interviews about you know. Anywhere from ten to twenty minutes, so they all kind of gave you an impression of what to look for going into spring, and it was very a very consistent theme. You can kind of see that, and you can actually see it sort of trickle down from the coaches to the players. These coaches have a very uh, specific vernacular they use, and it, it kind of permeates through every interview they have. But to a man, you know, they all talked about the strength and conditioning. They all talked about how much faster day one was. They all talked about. The excitement of the of the freshman coming in, you know where the program is now. Um, a lot a lot of positive things about it. I know we're talking defense today, and on that side alone, you know there's there's enough to kind of you see a guy like Ben Stilley. you see uh, you see what um, <clears throat> well, like what a couple of the freshmen, is. Cam Taylor, you know how he's looking now. It's it's a uh, we're a different team this year already, and so it's it's gonna be exciting. Mm-hmm. Excellent,
2: yeah. I, I think I, I saw a really funny little clip where uh, Adrian Martinez had a quote talking uh, um, about a, a mindset and then they played that for Mario Verduzco and he was like, you know, it's exactly how he's uh, being prepared essentially. I think it's really interesting, Mac, to your point about um, how how much these guys are buying into the culture. And, um, you know, we don't have things like the Unity Council yet, but it does sound like that is starting to be – kind of fostered a little bit, you know? Uh, Coach Frost did mention certain players that he seems to be grooming to, to take on those
0: leadership roles. Mac, Yeah, that's it. And that was one of those things too. I, I kind of, they understand the value of leadership and they also understand how organic leadership is superior, but they don't wait for that to happen. They actually seem to be you know, they have identified players that should be in leadership roles based on either production or, or the positions they hold. Martinez obviously being the most obvious one. And 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 they're kind of pushing him into that role, something he's probably comfortable doing. But, you know, they kind of expedite the process. And I think that's, you know, like, like we were saying, you know, the the words they use. You know, Like if they were talking about the weight room, they talk about attacking. You know, they talk about leadership. They talk about, you know. Martinez basically said production equals leadership, leadership equals production or something along those lines yeah. they asked they asked Verdusco that later on exact same words it's like a it was like a quote so so they they're all moving in the same direction. I don't want to use row the boat because PJ you know, <laughs> you, know, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know but like but they are pointing in the same direction and it's not it's not coach speak, it's culture speak you know and that's and, what we all waited on and you heard that from a number of players too
1: that talked about, having the same position coach back now, or Lamar Jackson just yeah, sure. referenced, having the same defensive coordinator back for two straight years. And in his case, that's the first time that's happened in his career here. That's crazy, it, it's isn't that, it? It's nuts. I mean, it's just that consistency of now hearing the same message, and to Mac's point, the message that they're saying is very consistent from one coach to the next, and, and you just keep hearing it time and again. So uh, for those DBs like Lamar Jackson to hear Travis Fisher for a second year in a row, and yeah. that dude – yeah, you, you get some good sound bites from from him and, and from that group. You you just you can
0: tell that these guys are really taking to the coaching, and that's important. Well, you can tell the coaches are straight shooters too. They, you know, they don't give a ton of access to the media, and and you know that's sad for people like us who are obsessive about it. But but when they do <laughs> speak, they I do feel like they're very honest. Well, and they tell a lot. They're not afraid to to mention specific players and where they're at and who needs to step up, like. You know, like a Jalen Bradley got called out. Like, this is his yeah. time to shine, you know? Or, or like, Trash and Gaylord talking... got
2: called out too, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and t- Fisher, like we talked about, he's a straight shooter. He was talking about, you know, Lamar, you know, D it's going to be hard. You know, this is, it's going to get competitive. He loves his freshmen, and he's mm-hmm. recruiting the type of guy back there that are going to be fun to watch. So, I mean, there's just, a, there's a lot going on, but everybody's, you know, in that same direction. They're all attacking. You know, you know, know yeah, yeah.
1: Duvall has made the statement, they all have, but Duvall specifically, he's made that statement that, you know, they're going out there and they're recruiting better players than what they have right now. And his job is to to build the guys he has up, you know, but to, to take on those better players coming in. But then you get a guy like Tony 3Ts, the, the new assistant coach that comes in, <laughs> and he's talking about Duvall and he's like, I, I haven't seen a, a place, I haven't been in a place where the strength coach is this ingrained into the assistant coach's room and this is a guy that's been at Michigan he's been at Cal you know he's been at at, at yeah. power five programs a good point point. and Duvall you know when he speaks there's there's credence that comes with it this guy
0: is an extension of that that coaching staff well and, and Honky and I were talking about this before we we started recording but um I can't remember if it, I think it was Sean Becton was talking about how The weight program is so integrated into the football program that they have, you know, drills and lifts that have the exact same names as those moves and positions on the football field. So it's like one more thing you don't have to think about. Like, this is that motion. This is that lift. So this is what I need you to do. And so not only does it help them on the field, but as they're lifting, they can visualize that and kind of explode through. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that seems to be the streamlined process, the staff, you know, now in year two, they all talk about they don't talk about scheme they're talking about techniques they're talking about fine yep. details we're not hearing about any anybody has any issue with the schemes they're already talking like Wandell knows three positions and and luke McCaffrey's so far ahead of what a what a freshman should be so now we're now we're fine detailing it and getting bigger and stronger to compete yep
2: yeah hey honky do you, do you think the hype on wandel is enough oh my gosh yeah, should, should no, we hype I him wish, up a little bit more
1: i wish we could hype him a little more right now it's it, it, you know, who's have we? The, who's the guy that makes those bronze statues? All <laughs> over the place? Have we had a padded practice yet? But I look, I, I, I can't wait to see Wandell out there. I think he, I think he'll be outstanding. But nothing's yeah.
0: ever gone wrong with an overhyped player. So, <laughs> no, right. no, that's the not good news. Thunder it's Collins pressure, was fantastic. <laughs> if he yeah. could be the next Kenny Wilson, that's all right. I'm asking for.
2: <laughs> that's great. So maybe a little bit on, on that theme. Because we are hearing all this positive stuff. And, I mean, that, you're going to expect that during spring ball, right, guys? But just for the fun of it, I guess. And uh, we're, we're going to break down the defense here in a little bit. But let's let's just uh, use this opportunity to talk offense and defense. From all the hype, from all the different players, uh, is there is there a certain position group that you felt the coach was the most bullish about their players? I know, Mac, you've listened to every single one of these interviews like probably eight times over. It, I mean, this is just your opinion. This is just for the fun of it.
0: Who was the most bullish about their their position? You know, it's interesting. I, I heard the most about the defensive backs being referred to and how they've recommitted themselves in the weight room and their attitude being completely different from when they first got there. But oddly enough, their position coach wasn't really the one kind of saying that stuff. He's the one saying, you know, my freshmen coming in are going to be really good. These guys are going to have to be really good to compete and play. So it sounds like to me that the guys who were here took that to heart in the offseason and have really, really went after it, uh, and for good reason because Fisher really likes the guys he's got coming in. And it's and he he even flat out said, "There's no starters. There's no starters back there." So don't you know don't concern yourself with that. So I feel like everybody's sort of pointing at the defensive backs right now. The defensive line is, is probably got nothing to worry about. I. We got a new coach there, so that that kind of changes a few things. But I, I feel like the defensive backs have been singled out the most. That's what I've noticed. I think. Yeah, no.
1: I I would, I would agree with that. I also think Verduzco was very high on the quarterback room in general, not just obviously yeah. uh, Martinez, but you know he spoke very highly about McCaffrey and yeah. with Vedro back now for the you know and having a full off season of, of being of lifting and and. And being ready to go for practice like you know a year ago, I guess we weren 't quite in the same spot with him. I think that he just feels really good right now with, with what he has in that room now it 's a limited room it 's a small room compared right. to o line or d b s and so on, but still, I, I thought Verduzco was
2: very high on his guys yeah, I remember one of our our loyal listeners uh, Reed, I believe i always forget uh, he, he was like surprised at lo- our, our sh- show last week we talked about Athlon having us as the number two QB room in the big 10 and that Mm -hmm. we were surprised that we were so high. And, um, I mean, I I still say that that's largely based off of Martinez and, you know, if, if Bunch or Vedrill had a really great one or two games backing them up, maybe that would be a different story, but they didn't look particularly great. So, but to your point there, Honk, yeah, the talk on on Luke McCaffrey is really very positive positive and I, I would not be surprised if I see him competing for that backup position uh right yeah, here I mean, on day 1.
1: Yeah, I mean Max said it last week. He goes McCaffrey's going to he's going to be a player this year. He's not this isn't yeah. just a red shirt kind of kind of deal. This is a guy that he's going to factor into the season this this upcoming year already. I think to that point about the Athlon having his number 2, for me at least it's not that I'm surprised that we're number 2. My whole point last week as we were talking about it was just how impressed I am with the year-to-year gains we made in that one particular room, yeah, we went from a a, a unit that yeah. had zero experience and a year ago, right now, still at P.O.B. and Jebbia, to what we have right yeah. now. I, I'm just to have impressed. one of the odds-on
0: s- favorites to win the Heisman, yeah. in a year cycle is pretty decent. I'm just so impressed with the year-to-year update at upgrade at that that key position. And I wonder too, sometimes, Dave, with that that ranking, how much of that is is Frost's. Legacy of, of second year quarterbacks really yeah. improving. You know, I mean, like, the, the, I think it is. It's funny because Vegas has been so hard on us the last two, three years in predictions, and they have been spot on, man. And, I, you know, anymore, it's I'm just true. starting to. I'll, I, Maybe they know something. Clearly, they know something I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have a a, a palace that I live in. You know, <laughs> like these mm. these guys are good at what they do. And Martinez is has shown them something that they feel confident in. And so is Frost. And, and they see a guy here who's perfectly capable of putting up numbers in a system. Second year growth has been pretty impressive. So, who knows? Hey it's Boomer, while we're it.
2: talking on this randomly, could you look up is there any Vegas, um, uh, uh, bookies that already have our or over under for wins i'll take a Up. look see if there's anything in. So. thank you sir so dave Bonk? i have
1: dave i have a question for you here how many players do you think right now we have on the team entering into spring ball they're here right now
2: how many players we have on the roster right now right now okay so we lost last year's senior class we don't we only took seven or eight freshmen in so far I know we're going to get to over 150 with the full walk-on class and the rest of the freshmen, So, which I'm going to guess is in the third. I'm going to guess there's 122 people on the roster right now. You are within
1: five. It's 117. And just to think about those numbers right now, I mean, 117 players. I would almost like to go back to some of those Callahan teams that we had and see how low our overall roster got to at, at certain points. When they designed the locker room that we're in in the North Stadium, it was designed for a Callahan type team, and and 117 players. That's that's a lot of players already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's we're already uh, what is that 32 over over the the 85 scholarship limit, and we haven't welcomed in all of the new walk ons. About 20. Plus, you know, probably what fifteen yeah, or so, walk on class. yeah, 15, 16, 17 of our uh, of our scholarship guys. I mean, that's a this the the numbers are growing.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, that's a good point. Good point. All right, guys, anything else from the uh, press conference and media day that you guys want to want to talk about
0: or really stood out to you? I mean, he touched on the Washington case a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. there's really no news there, so it's it's. I think he did a really good job of addressing what they knew and what they didn't know. And I thought he made a really good point, and it was maybe an underrated point when he talked about how that his job wasn't to investigate what was going on this, in this. And that's how people tend to get themselves in trouble is investigating. I yeah. think it was smart to kind of go ahead and separate himself from the decision-making process and, and just sort of letting people know how this stuff works because – it's, it's too early in his tenure at Nebraska to have a scandal over over a player like this. But at the same time, you, you know, kids are going to be looking at this and how we handle this situation and how we take care of our players. And and so this is important, you know, on both sides of it because they always talk about how we're a player-first team and, and we take care of our guys. Well, this is, this is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up time. Hopefully this will all work out for the best, but... Um, it's you know it's the little bit of off season that you're going to deal with and frankly if this is as bad as it got I'd be tickled honestly yeah yeah
2: I mean it's definitely a del- delicate balance right there's no doubt Certainly, about yeah. that and I I think Mac to your point I, I think I heard this on uh, the bottom line but it might have been somewhere else is that the the point of Frost saying like you know we we kind of a little bit of a hands off and I'm I'm not supposed to be doing the investigating very different than uh, the Osborne era right and I think that's yeah. very intentional. Um, yep. By the administration and everyone, that's the best way to handle this. Is that the head coach? That's not their role any longer. Um, it it goes at a higher level. And they're playing this by the book, and I think we're just going to let it play out and
0: and see where it goes. Yep. Yep. Probably helps when we only won four games last year. Had we won more games, people might be more upset. Well, honestly,
1: <laughs> that's absolutely true. I mean, success breeds more scrutiny Intempt, yes. when. When things go bad, and, and it's not a shock to me. I mean, just think about that. You go back to the 90s, it's not a shock to me that in 95, coming off of national championships, I mean, uh, we were always the, the, the clean-cut team forever. Yeah. yeah, we were the clean-cut team forever under, under Osborne. You win one national title, and and everything you know can, can go yeah. to heck all of a sudden. So yeah. just the scrutiny grows with it. So being 4-8 and eight is helpful, actually, right now.
2: Yep, I hear you. All right, uh, Boomer, any luck on the Vegas odds?
3: No, nah, it doesn't seem like uh, most of your casinos are willing to put too a little much too early. early. yeah. Usually they start trickling in around May and June is when we'll start seeing most of those come through. So I imagine they'd All like right. to get through the spring game, too, and kind of see what happens. You know, you'd hate for you know quarterback to break a leg in a spring game or something, and, yeah, that would throw your uh, Lions way off. You do so. not
2: want to put the odds out. This yeah. is why they have the Palaces. Exactly. Yep. So the so
3: we'll we can probably, yeah, right. yeah, we'll I, revisit this in about a month, and I bet we'll, you know, a month or two, and we'll have some answers for you. Yeah, I'm sh-
1: I'm shocked the Stratosphere hasn't done it already. They're they're the least credible,
2: I think. <laughs> Stratosphere—that's where Honky stays when he goes to Vegas. It is actually <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the north side of the Strip, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, my wife
1: and I played in one poker tournament there, and we were the only non-Russian people sitting at the table, and they were all speaking <laughs> Russian. So. Yeah. Pretty sure that broke I mean, most rules. You're
0: probably <laughs> negotiating on your prices, like <laughs> how much would you
2: do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the stratosphere, honky. What did you pay for that room? I mean, was it like uh, under twenty bucks? This <laughs> was
1: the good news was we went there right as the economy totally crapped in like '09 or oh8 That was whatever that happened there, and it was four hundred and four dollars for two round trip tickets. Allegiant from Grand Island. That the plane was bigger than the old terminal. $404, everything included. And we had four nights at the Stratosphere, wow. round-trip tickets. And I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. I was like, how did, how, did, how are they going to make any money on this? And Kathy doesn't drink at all. And so they walk, they walk down there, and they're like, does she want anything to drink in the, in the plane? I'm like, yeah, at least give her an orange juice. Well, they charge for everything. And mm-hmm. I ended up with some Jack and Cokes. We had a $100 bill, basically, by the time <laughs> we landed in Vegas. Oh, my gosh. Between her free... Yeah, and they say that in quotation marks her free orange juices and my not free Dang. jack and jack and coke they'll so anyways
0: you. they'll get you
1: but stratosphere wonderful great place yeah.
2: <laughs> but maybe yeah they they could be a sponsor before you know it i'm in the middle
1: of sure. nowhere miles to anything else if, if you stay there so
2: that's right all right good stuff guys uh Let's uh, uh, call that a a segment there on Media Day, and we'll be back with Throwing the Bones. Throw the Bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, fellas, we're throwing the bones. Let's do this defensive breakdown. Last week we did the offense, or actually the show was released uh, earlier this week, so you're kind of getting a doubleheader, right, guys? Yep. Uh, So let's talk defense, and let's start in the trenches with uh, Tony Tuiato. Or Tony 3Ts, as everyone else here on the show likes to say. Tony 3Ts. Uh, I'm working on my Polynesian pronunciations, you know. And um, the uh, the D-line could be a, a position of strength. We've got uh, a transfer in with Darian Daniels, but we got the Davis boys. Ben Stilley is looking like a beast. Uh, he's lost his, his neck, I think. And uh, what do you guys take on the D-line? Honky.
1: Well, I know they, they made the reference that they want to play the best three, no matter what. And so they're still staying true to the fact that anybody could play any one of these positions. So uh, Carlos Davis could be lined up at nose guard one down and play DN the next. Um, I'm curious over time if that's the long-term right. strategy with this or is that just where they're at right now with the current personnel? Ideally, I guess in my mind, I really – at least I want to hope that the Daniel brothers starting with Darian, the the transfer from Oklahoma state, who was a, you know, a captain over there. And he is so built to be a nose tackle, nose guard. Mm -hmm. Um, Between those two, I really hope they take ownership of that position because I'd love to see the Davis brothers, uh, Davis twins, be able to go out and be DNs. Uh, Ben Stilley up to two eighty eight, just absolutely looks the part. And then the guy that I'm, I'm really high on. I'm glad that last year he had a chance to only play four games games and still redshirt is deontre thomas uh that kid he looks like he's probably up to 290 something now and i and his freshman year when he was 265 riley and diaco had him at nose tackle that was way out of position for him i like to see him be lined up as a d end in a a 3-4 i think he's he's a really good fit for that um I think that's a good group of about five, six guys right there. Mm-hmm. And if we can get any other production from guys like Deshaun Neal, who's going into his fifth year, six, seven, you know, tall yeah, dude, Nebraska guy, guy move big, him
0: around a little bit, maybe see, see where what's can, up. Yeah.
1: And those, and then what are we doing with the development of young guys? And that's Casey Rogers. That's Tate Wilderman. That's the next, you know, level of, of uh, defensive alignment that have been in the program now for one off season. Uh, really interested and they also bring the length they're six five six six guys interested to see how they kind of factor in
0: you like you kind of speculate I'm like we're kind of seeing what this is going to look like in a few years and I think that's exactly it I think Tate Wilderman and Casey Rogers will be what we can kind of expect our defensive line to to look like you know a, a year into the program I mean honestly it seems like they can get these guys up to size pretty quickly if you come in with not very much bad weight and a pretty willing effort it seems like there's a really good chance that does look like on paper to me, a pretty deep group, you know, and, 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 you know, we've talked about this too, maybe a little untapped in potential somewhat because of, but well, because they had a lot of turnover, a lot of coaching turnover, a lot of lack of consistency, and now a steady weight program. We'll see.
2: Uh, and I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. We'll see if you can actually throw out uh, heights and weights uh, really quickly. Um, because I'm curious, uh, and, and maybe for a few of our listeners that maybe aren't quite so attuned to the 3-4 the defensive line and the differences between nose tackle and the two ends. Could you uh, maybe walk us through like who started for, for Bobby D's defense uh, a couple of years ago in the three-man front and their, their awaits? You just mentioned that uh, Deontay T- Thomas was in a, a bad position there. Uh, undersized for nose tackle, it walk us through what we were looking at like two years ago, and then Mac to your point, maybe even by next year, what's what we're going to be looking at from our positions and and the ideal sizes for your nose tackle and two dns in a three four. Because I think the point here, I guess I'm getting at, is that we were did not have the right personnel a couple of years ago. We still didn't have the personnel probably last year, but we're getting much closer this year and we are probably going forward will always have what we actually
0: want in that setup. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, and I, I you know, frame wise, I don't even know that we were off as much as, you know, height weight wise we were probably okay like a guy like, you know, Stoltenberg, you know, but at the same time. Does he have the bend in the right spots? Is that guy? Can he get low? Can yeah, he play he low, low with leverage? Because that seems to, to be the, d- the difference. Like we've got some guys with length. We've had some guys with length, but are they playing with low hips and exploding? Chris Walker is a great example of that, right? This guy's a workout warrior, but he's tall and he's long. And they keep talking about it. let's get his hips low. And some guys have natural bend, and some guys, you know, struggle with that. And I think when you when you look at what they're what they're recruiting, man, it just seems like. Positionless football, you know, it's like across the line. We can all kind of have this mold, but what we want is length because you know, chananders talked about that. You know, as as you run a kind of a a a spread or not a spread, but like a zone read stretch play, that length makes it nearly impossible for those guys to get an edge, you know, and and it allows other guys to to break off their blocks and go make a play. So I mean, like that length. You can see it in, the, in everyone they've recruited so far. It is very rare that they go much below, like, 6'3". I mean, just, yeah. the length, and they all, with the wingspan that they've all kind of, you know, they've all kind of got that picture in the stadium on the 50-yard line with their arms spread across. You're like, man, you know, just the kind of length that, you know, he craves.
2: And and maybe by question a little bit misguided to your point, Mac, in the sense that position as football uh, is in play because of the the different down and distance and situational football a little bit on that D line, right? I mean, sure, we have different positions for different players at different times. Well, and see,
0: I think that's kind of what we're doing now, and it's it's like what Honky was saying: best three, who's the best three for what we can, what we have on the talent pool right now? Who's who's going to produce uh, the Daniels brothers? That really changes some things, and I think you're right. Deontay Thomas is sort of an unknown product. However, we get those guys to gel and maximize their talents. That, that'll be the key for this year's success. But going forward, I think it's going to be a lot, lot more of the because Tate Wilderman and Casey Rogers. I'm like when you stand them next to each other, they look very similar to me. You know, they yeah. they, they But they're have...
2: they're D ends to I guess my, my yeah. point a little bit. And Honky, I think you're doing some 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 figuring over there. So I'm going to throw it over to you here in just a, a second. But I mean, sometimes I think about. I know we had Mick Stoltenberg at at D tackle, and we convinced ourselves that that was the right right fit. But he was six six, and if you look at other three four defense historically speaking, and you look at someone like I don't know Glenn Dorsey at LSU or something, I don't know they were they were three hundred some pounds, but they were a little bit shorter, right? And that center of gravity Mm -hmm. and their leverage was lower at that nose tackle position. I think Honky mentioned that Darian Daniels probably fits into that physical mold slightly better than what we've had in the past
1: yeah i'm, I'm looking at the 2017 uh defensive depth chart here and, and if you kind of think of uh stoltenberg was nose tackle at 6-5 and the two dns the starting dns were carlos davis at 6-2 he was a sophomore at the time and then freedom was a mm-hmm. junior at 6-4 yeah and when you look at that it's <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm using my hands here which is great for a podcast but i mean basically <laughs> the d line looked like a Kinda of like a rooftop. I mean it, it, it went upwards towards the inside and right. the DNs were shorter, right? And the reality is that's that's not really the way you want that to look. You want it to look the other way. Mm-hmm. We want those DNs in this three four to be six five, six six, six seven guys and what you want in the middle, and I've always said this: to make this three-four truly work, it has to start at the nose tackle spot. Well, have we recruited we, a
0: true nose? Like, who would you point to that we've recruited that that they've gotten that's like that guy? Is it Darian Daniels? Is that
1: are you talking about this that staff? that fr- that this that staff? Yeah, 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 the yeah. closest guy that this staff has brought in. I guess they brought in uh, Vaha Venuku as well, and. But between him like
0: patches but like a, a, i mean we, that's the thing we they haven't, haven't seen him. they haven't in brought in mode. that
1: freshman guy yet right. now damian daniels i think can be that guy um really the davises fit more that style probably than true dns and the davises in the future not that we wouldn't recruit them but i i don't know how exactly they would fit if you were recruiting them today into this defense mm-hmm. you know so they're good players it's just it's just different. The whole defense is different than what it was. They were when
0: recruited they as a 4-3, right?
1: They were recruited straight into the 4-3. That's correct. So it, yep. things, have, things have changed there a little like bit a on Kevin them. Kevin
0: Maurice? Would he kind of be a... a...
1: Maurice, I, like, that kind of player still would fit into a, a, a nose tackle that's spot. That's what I'm saying. Like, he I, would kind of be Malik like... Collins, yeah. Malik Vincent Collins. Vincent Valentine. Vincent yeah. Valentine. Is if, like... I was, if I was picking the ideal of recent times, short of Sue, who would be the best player on any of the yeah. three positions, but... Valentine, if you could just be a pure nose tackle, I think mm. that's that's what we'd be looking okay. for there.
2: All right, great stuff, guys. All right, um, we're gonna move on to the linebackers. We have a Mo Berry uh, leadership, obviously, but a lot of opportunities there. Will Honus, hopefully a healthy uh, JoJo Doman, others. Mac, you want to start with this one?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I. That linebacker position is another kind of interesting one coming back. I think we we know what we have with Mo Berry, and I and I actually still look for that guy to make a, a huge jump. You know, just based off what we're going to see in spring. Um, Tyron Ferguson's a guy that if we can keep him healthy, I think he he would have provided a spark for us last year that we just weren't able to maintain. And then, of course, you know, the sort of the big news and something that really caught my ear coming out of those that press conference was JoJo Dobyn being two thirty. I mean, to me, that says. So long secondary. I mean, this guy is going to be moved up almost permanently to that position. You know, Chin Andrew said he, they got him on full lift and full feed. You know, he hasn't lifted for the last two <laughs> years, and all of a sudden he's 230. It's almost like a Cameron Jones situation where, like, all right, let's stop trying to hold him back from growing. Let's let him grow and see where we can put him. And JoJo showed him the ability to make plays, He's and he's he's a smart football player. Even Riley signaled him out saying, you know, if we can get just this guy on the field. So that position, the inside linebacker, you know, we've got some exciting young freshmen in there, two really, really exciting ones, and then some question marks, right? Will Honus, he's he's going to be, they said he's probably going to be limited for spring. I think Mo Berry, again, he's just going to he's going to sharpen his skill set, and he's a great guy to have back there to kind of mold a guy because you hear him talking about how. Nick Hendrick is in his back pocket all the time, and Mowberry is the type of guy who's kind of going to help mentor and mold that guy. You love everything you hear about these freshmen coming in is this this strong desire to learn, and they all seem to be very very capable of picking up things quickly. Everyone's made comments about it. It's the off season, right? Yeah. It's all it's all roses. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, honky, to that point though, Mac, uh, the the culture shift here is clearly set in, right? I mean, these guys have been recruited and are fully bought in from day one. Honk.
1: Yeah, uh, Michael Severe, I think he tweeted out he had the top ten players, his top ten list of of guys on the team that you know we, we can't lose for next year essentially. And number one and number two were I think Martinez and then J.D. Spielman. And number three was Mo, Mo Berry. Yeah, my argument would be Mo Berry's number two. I right away I just can't picture this defense without him out there. I think he's he's the leader. He is in outstanding shape right now. He's physically he's ready to with an entire season now with him having a second uh defensive coordinator or the same defensive coordinator for the second year for the first time under his belt. Sure. These guys are ready to go. The outside linebacker spot has been one of such concern now for really, you know, going on for the second season. There's been so much concern. And I'm feeling really pretty good about Ferguson and Doman. I really like those two out there. Uh Tanner, obviously, you know, let's see what happens with development here. But the development of Tanner this, this guy has all the talent in the world. Breon Dixon, I've heard a lot of, you know, just negativity about him in terms of just not being a Big Ten outside linebacker. I don't buy that. I think this guy can play in this league. Um, he's He brings a different skill set and everything, but I think it's a skill set that's that's
0: needed. Well, and not every offense is the same. Yeah. You what know, like, you're going to need.
1: Oh, my God. You're going to line up against three tight ends against Iowa and yeah. Wisconsin. And then you're going to line up against, you know, Purdue and might need a guy exactly. like Breon Dixon, you know, covering uh rondell moore i mean exactly. th- that's just the, the reality of the spot the interesting thing with the outside linebacker spot right now is that they're really they're without a coach i mean coach dewitt with with uh the, th- the throat cancer that they you know announced last week which you know hopefully everything he's he's going to be healthy and uh, you know for beyond football here right but he's not coaching right now during the spring so how they kind of do that if if Rude is involved more, or Shenander's is well, involved Jinder,
0: more. Jinder, I Shenander is so, yeah, I mean, he's coached group, outside so linebackers he, before, yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So yeah.
1: So I mean, you know how that kind of how that plays in, but but I really I like I actually I, I really Ico like the group got of that let
0: go from Oklahoma, so he's available. Well, he for, could do it.
1: The other thing he, is,
2: he, was he ever really there, Max? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> he, he is
0: a heck of a punter, kick. Uh, <laughs> coach, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he that was Caleb best year was under Tiago.
1: Yep. The, the other thing is the walk-ons we're only in year two now but we're starting we'll start to see where walk-ons can start to play and fill gaps play roles on the team and at the linebacker spot i mean i was very high chris cassidy a, a year ago he's he's here now to 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 fill in some of that inside linebacker gaps uh, especially as you were mentioning mac if will Hannes isn't taking snaps this is a great chance for a guy like cassidy to get in there joseph johnson uh I oh man, he just dominated last year in the, in the Shrine game. That kid's outside linebacker, you know, uh, Gretna, I think, is where he's from. Uh, you know, oh. those are the kind of guys that uh, they're not going to get a lot of talk right now, but let's see where they are at the end of spring. Let's see what they
0: do in a spring game. I can't wait to go to the, the coach's clinic do, here and kind of watch Davis, these guys. Does Alex Davis finally make an appearance? You know, I know we've all – his participation card and his production uh. card are the most mind-boggling thing of all time. He's in on so many – plays but he makes none of
1: them he just well he just needs to be he needs to be so narrowly focused on what his his role is like if he's a pass rush specialist that would be enough like him in space him i can't believe he caught an interception a year ago in the spring game because that's just not the style of play that i see i don't see him stand up d end or stand up outside linebacker you know covering guys in space that's just not boy i just struggle seeing him in that but who knows i mean that's but I think the guy can – he has some athletic ability. He has some talent, but
0: it just hasn't hey, listen, shown. Listen, anybody who's still on the team at this point after the, the coaching transition and and been through two off seasons with Duvall, I'm not ruling anybody sure. out. Sure. You know, like if, if, to a certain extent, everybody at this point has proved something to me. You know, if they're still with this staff and they're the, – the amount of work these have these guys have to go through just to be here now. They
1: went through two Duvall, yeah. yeah. So I mean, two off seasons with Duvall. That's the, they they've earned the respect of nothing. Sure. else I than would that. I
0: would have never said. I mean I know we've said this before but I'd never said Zigbo would have the season he had last year. I wouldn't have said that at some point last year Lamar Jackson would be somebody I, I thought had really stepped up his game. So I'm not ruling anything out on this and and, and I and I certainly would not underestimate how good DeValls off season has been would change the whole look of this team. Yeah. And in in a way that you know maybe no one can really expect. You know Iowa is only going to get so much better from year to year because they've been they've been cr- you know crushing it for years in yeah, advance. Yeah, they are. We've they got are. big steps to make, so it's like, who knows, man? We might have some hidden sure. gems. They might all be turds. I don't know. We <laughs> might need some of these freshmen to come in and play. But well, the point a, is, a- like, we don't have enough access to be able to see that. So I'm going with the non-turd uh, theory. <laughs> and are- I think
2: it's a good good point, Mac, in the sense of like the IOs and Wisconsins. Like, if our player development the coaching the, the weightlifting nutrition all is finally catching up to what we think it should have been for years i guess really at this point our recruiting prowess which is far ahead of iowa and wisconsin yep, right. finally will show itself that, because we've been right, taking right because that's been like the the, that's been the
0: real the like elephant in the room like our recruiting rankings are dominating the west and our performance in the west has been Abysmal. Well, that's so,
1: the, that. That's the thing that's going to differentiate Nebraska from the rest of the – at least the Big Ten West is that sure. what we're doing right now, the, the walk-on guys I mentioned, the Johnsons and the Cassidys, the, the Garrett Nelsons that are here, Nick uh, – uh, Will Hannes, a kid that picked us over, yeah. over Wisconsin and yeah. Iowa. We, we have the makeup and the look a little bit of kind of like a, a, a Big Ten West linebacking crew. And at the same time, we've been able to go into – the Southeast and get guys like Caleb Tanner and get Breon Dixon and Muhammad Barry's from down there in Georgia. And it's that mix of those guys. Those are guys that Iowa and Wisconsin don't typically get. And if we can get that, that, that big 10 toughness and those kind of dudes that walk on mentality and you mix it with some Southeast flavor and some of those kind of players, you know, a couple other guys we didn't mention yet, but Colin Miller, it sounds like he's really settled in at an inside linebacker spot. That's going to be an important guy. And then David Alston is, yeah, a Minnesota kid coming off of the redshirt. You're just similar to uh, Casey Rogers and Tate be, Wilderman. I mean, he, let's see where had, those guys he are he at. He had
0: good pass rush numbers in high school. Yeah, yeah let's see. I don't know about this Let's guy. see
1: where he's at. He's kind of body type, kind of an Alex Davis kind of player, but I just think he's more refined. Mm-hmm. Right. So.
0: Yeah, the,
2: the, again, help our listeners out, and maybe me, I don't know. Uh, depth chart-wise, with inside linebacker, with Honus uh, limited this spring, you yeah, have Mo Berry. And and Colin Miller, who else would be inside linebacker right now? From a defensive perspective, Nick,
1: Nick Heinrich would be, and he's here right now, so he's the true as a, as a freshman. True freshman. Yeah. Uh, should be a senior still at uh, Omaha Burke. He'd be here. Chris Cassidy is a kid again. I've, I've mentioned him, and I think that he's a walk on. That would be uh, in there.
0: Uh, then who else you have is Hans in and early
2: as as a freshman. Is there? Is, Jackson Hanna's not here yet. That type of stuff. No,
0: and that's that's unfortunate too because I feel like that that guy is probably one of the gems of the class. And yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. the spring spring is going to be, spring's interesting in a few positions and linebackers, one of them. Uh, Running back's another one. It's just like it's it's a very incomplete picture. And then so
2: outside linebacker from a depth perspective.
1: Well, uh, and just to to kind of. Finish up the, even the inside spot because I, I don't know exactly where these two guys would fall into, but we talked about a week ago at the running back spot. We said that for uh, Jalen Bradley, you know, right. it's kind of do or die. Right. Obviously right now we have Purnell Jefferson and Quayshawn Alexander, and those are two guys that I don't know exactly where are they, they, they fall really into. they still on the team? They, they're still on it, and, and they've got to fall into a spot. You know, outside-wise, I think Ferguson and um, – it, well, Doman, I, I think th- see, those Doman's,
0: Doman's another interesting one in that th- position too. To me, those
1: are you're probably your top two, and then you start falling into. You have Caleb Tanner, and you have Breon Dixon, uh, Alex Davis, J- uh, David Olson. I'm kind of pairing those guys together. Right. They're kind of similar types. Joseph Johnson, he's the walk on that I mentioned. Garrett Nelson's the true freshman that's coming in, and then one guy, I right. maybe a little bit of a do or die for him too, but I'm so high on the kid. I love that Jordan Pop kid, and he's Man. the walk on uh, going into year three now. Central City. Picked us over. Uh, Perella was huge to get him here. Picked us over like North Dakota State, and they they flew a helicopter into to, to like Central City when he was getting recruited. And I was very happy when we got him. Just haven't seen much from him yet. So you know, hopefully these are opportunities for some of those guys to to get some snaps.
2: Yeah, that's great stuff. Great stuff. All right, let's move on to the the secondary. Uh, we got safeties and corners. Mac, you just mentioned that this might be the. uh, one of the strongest and most improved groups um, since Frost took over, and we definitely have some established starters likely on the corners with Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle. Let's start there. I mean, I I think you probably have high hopes for those guys to really shine uh,
0: next year. I mean, I think they're both poised to have pretty big seasons. Uh, You know, the Tons of experience under their belt, and Lamar really—you you could see the light switch go on for him towards the tail end of the year. I think with him, a lot of it was uh, trust in the staff that they—they they had his best interest in mind. Um, you know, decap—he's—you he, know—led the conference in pass breakups. What you'd like to see then is—you know—now some interceptions created out of some of that stuff. You know, uh, you know, we love our seniors and the guys going in the pro day today. We wish them the best, but we were talking earlier about some of their forty times. And they were not impressive, you know. And so, like, there's, there's speed to be gained by, you know, putting a, a Deontay Williams as a guy who, who needed a year in the weight room, played, but that guy, when he was on the field, was an explosive hitter. He, he made plays on the ball. And then, you know, Cam Taylor. That, that guy's really an X-Factor in the whole thing. You know, uh, Fisher, the coach of the defensive backs, He's kind of he's kind of like the defensive line, or you know, like a lot of these coaches. If you, you play center, play guard. If you play guard, play tackle. Well, if you play safety, play corner. You know, dismuke and or or if you play corner, play nickel. Play nickel, play safety. You know, and like T- Taylor is one of those guys who's sort of right in that hybrid role. And you talk about a guy like Barry, who's a leader. I think uh, I think Taylor is a guy who's in that secondary now he's not a freshman anymore he's got a lot of playtime under his belt they love his aggressiveness he's a heck of an athlete you know that's a guy in a in a position group that's going to need leaders this year vocal leaders um that he's really poised to have a big 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 Mac. year I, i'll Mac. never rule out this muke i know he's the guy i bring up every year but oh. i feel like this guy uh, yeah. is ready to go Dolman i think is out of that picture now i think he's moved i think he's moved up cameron jones you know that's a there, there, there was the you know the infamous uh, black hoodie brigade that that Frost talks about with the injured players. There's a lot of those guys in the secondary that we don't know. Like once they hit the field, the makeup of that secondary changes completely. Though these these guys go from you know small fast guys like a. Or maybe even not even that fast. Just small guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, who didn't make a lot of interceptions to these these bigger dudes who like to hit. You know, they they all bring the wood. And that's Mac, exciting. Big ten safeties. Big ten corners. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mac hockey maybe you want to jump on this. And, and I don't want to throw any of our, our just recently um uh progressed seniors uh under the bus either. So I'm not but apparently during the pro day we had some guys run four sevens and whatnot and it just maybe just like talk about the difference between someone who's running a, a four seven four seven five and someone who's running a, a four five in that same position and to your point maybe even bigger physically how big of a difference that is from from being able to catch up from you know if if you're making a mistake and, and being able to compensate or uh, being in the right position to defend how, how big of a difference that right. speed is?
0: perfect example of this is is you remember the Purdue game last year we throw that ball out to they throw that ball out to Ron down Moore and he tips it and he kicks it up in the air and Antonio yeah. Reed is flying up on the ball to try to but he doesn't get there he doesn't make the play and, and Antonio Reed is one of those guys who ran closer to a four seven four eight today you know you, you replace that guy with a four six four four guy that's six you know that's six the other that's way a six you know and and it's like that's the difference in the game sometimes that's the difference of you know a bubble screen and letting a guy get a little forward momentum and being blown up in the backfield, you know, and I feel like, and I felt like this last year with the defenses, it got better. I always felt like we were in schematically in position to make plays while not making plays, you know, that we were close, no cigar. And I feel like what you're talking about, Dave, you know, that two tenths of more athleticism, you know, that, that five more inches of vertical leap or whatever that equates to equates to negative losses, you know, TFLs, it, you know, pass breakups become interceptions, you know, so that's, you know, that the development, the athleticism, all that mm. stuff is, is now year two
1: from a, from a, a pro perspective, I think you'll see the difference with, you know, safeties typically, let's say they, in a man to man situation would cover a tight end. And so when you compare the times and the heights of what we were graduating at safety versus say a Noah Fant and what Noah Fant ran and where he's going to go around like with, a four yeah.
2: five one, is that right? But he,
1: he, he, and he, he ran a one sub four five. He was a four, four something. You wow. know, those. Yeah, he did have a, yeah. You know, those are when you're just talking a tangible head-to-head kind of kind of matchup. And again, it's not to talk poorly of, of the guys that just graduate here, but that's now. It,
2: now, hockey. really. Bo- now, Boomer might want to interject that since Noah Fan never saw the playing field. Almost, it's okay. But
1: <laughs> hey, leave it to friends to screw up a four-four tight end. I don't care, but. Um, you know, I'm looking at this this group, and obviously Lamar Jackson. He was a guy I thought he came off very much as a, as a leader mm. in what he was speaking at the at the press conference on on Tuesday. Um, you know, they talked about the no phones. This is a group that's dialed in no pun intended with phones, but with Travis Fisher, I, there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of leeway there. He's he runs that room as much as any position coach runs their room.
0: Yeah, I think he makes absolutely zero bones about. No I will apologies. absolutely put the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, there's no starters. You know, like that and I think that was probably the thing that rubbed Lamar the wrong way at first that yeah. he probably appreciates now. And regardless, you know, it's the it's the really the only coaching philosophy you could have. Yeah. I mean, and it didn't feel like that sometimes though. As crazy as it because Lamar got on the field so early in his career, and you're like, really, that's the best you know, one? You know, it's amazing. We've talked
1: about it on the offensive side. We've talked about the year to year gains that the quarterback spot made. I feel the same way about DBs. A year ago right now, Ethan Cox, and God bless Ethan Cox. He's a sophomore. He's still on the team. Um, but he was basically almost a starting cornerback a year ago right now in spring ball. And yeah, so that's true. And, and where you see where we're at now, I mean, at, at corner, you've got Lamar Jackson. Then you've got Eric Lee backing him up. And Braxton Clark's you know, re- coming off the redshirt year. Boodle on the other Have side. He's established Anderson,
0: himself. Is he, is he still here?
1: A- yeah, Anderson still is. Cam Taylor. I mean, you know, we've got the we've got the the corners, and then you're looking at Cameron Jones and Deontay Williams at safety, and then you mentioned Dismuke. I'll just tell you, I maybe it's just I've always been a big Calabrasca guy. I don't oh, know. They're the best, but <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I, I honestly, Dismuke's the one kid that, that came out of the whole Calabrasca movement. Well, I there's really Calabrasca, really and then there's
0: in Calabrasca, and he's in, So you know, like that's right, I just you know, really,
1: I really, yeah, I just Dismuke from what I remember watching him, of him last spring, I. I was surprised he didn't play more during the season. I'm hoping it just it clicks and comes together because I think the guys he hits he hits like a mother, yeah. and and he's he's got he's the athleticism. And also guys showing some playmaking ability too. Yeah, absolutely. Screams
0: up some fumbles like Deontay. You know there was a there wasn't a ton of defensive plays made last year, and I've watched a lot of the games. And Deontay shows up on film for the very little bit oh. that he played. He shows H- up H-
1: him making an interception at the end of the Michigan game when that game was out of. You know, way out of hand, and you know, and that's at the time where you're wondering if you've lost the team or if guys have quit and this or that. I've heard this with coaches when they recruit players. Good coaches, they don't just look. They don't look at your huddle highlights. They want to watch whole games. They want to see if you're down, you know, thirty-five to ten in right. a game. How is a player still playing at the end? And when I see Don, Deontay Williams coming in at the end of the Michigan game and catching that interception, an athletic uh, play, an athletic diving interception in the end right. zone, you know, those are things that that they matter, and and that shows a kid that that he's gonna he's gonna be given heart, and he's gonna be working hard, and he's gonna be out there you know, given 100%. And that's what we need as much as anything on every single position on this defense. Mm-hmm. Go out there, balls to the wall, you know, with your hair on fire. And if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake at 100 miles an hour.
2: Yeah, amen to that. Right? Absolutely. Hey, Boomer, we've been talking a lot about speed uh, in the secondary. Is there uh, any um, anything we have on, like, past former Huskers on 40 times during pro days in, in the combine that would be uh, – interesting for, for Mac and Hockey? Uh, well,
3: I'll have to do a little more research on that, Dave. I've been trying to dig some stuff up, so I'll see what I can find. I have
2: some old records from
3: 2003, but that's not very relevant today. So,
2: I think I saw something... Mac, you threw this out too, like Fabian Washington, for example, yeah, uh, yeah. got drafted. Did he get in the first round? Yeah, and he ran like a well, he it was four the Raiders. Th- you know, if
0: the Raiders would take anybody a four three. <laughs> well,
2: he ran a four three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was sub it, four. No, I, it, it was four, like a four two, two set or maybe a yeah. four two game. Yeah, yeah, ridiculously seven. low, right? It was
0: smoking fast. Yeah,
2: just um, amazingly fast speeds, and uh, that fact that we've we've got guys what practically fifteen years later that are running considerably slower than that. Yeah, Fabian uh,
3: was, it was a need... 4.29, yeah.
2: 2.9. Bruce Pickens nine. had a fast one.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was like a 4.31. Curtis Cotton, yep. yeah. Prince he's... of
3: Mukamaro's a 4.38, so that's pretty good. Yeah.
0: That's a – what? Prince? Yeah. Him and, uh, oh, that's Adrian a combine.
3: man, Daniel Bullock a had a 4.38, so that's pretty good. He had
0: no hands. That was Prince's problem. Yeah. yeah. The Bullocks, they Still were – Still playing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Zach
0: Bowman,
1: well, 4.39. I was just going to say Bowman – you know Bowman. Well, the, he got slower because he ran like a a three eight, according to you know some of the <laughs> well, recruiting. A yeah, well, he was yeah. a five star. He was a, a five eight, star. But,
2: um, yeah. What did hmm. Bowman run, Boomer? Do you have that? Uh, gosh, do I have that with me? Let's see. I thought it was something close to that four four. Yeah, range, four three you know. nine. So just that little four three Ooh,
3: nine. Zach Bowman a second, ran a four three nine. nine
2: yeah,
0: yeah geez. he was like six two. I mean, yeah, that's
2: he's a great size.
0: Yeah. Was he the one out of Alaska?
1: Yeah,
2: actually yeah, was. That's right that's right that's right I I just illustrates the point that we need that speed back in that secondary and it seems like we're getting closer to having that that's gonna well, make a big it, difference. it
0: was a little shocking right I mean that's those those numbers I was telling you those are those are those are fullback numbers for speed you know those that's like that's yeah. our secondary I mean I know we're playing the big 10 but uh geez you know <laughs> when you when you when Iowa has tight ends that run sub four fives that's not going to cut it you know. Um, that's one thing about Gifford, you know, he was, he was a four or five guy and you look at Doman, he's probably one of those four or five guys too. So you move those secondary, you know, you, you speed up by moving some of those guys growing them a little bit bigger. I mean, I don't think that's going to be a problem much longer. I mean, our speed on our, our team speed, our four by one, our best four by one relay team, I bet could, could meddle in a few indoor meets in college.
2: Yeah. Who would that be? Uh, I would put
0: Nance Woodyard. I'd put uh, Ramirez Johnson on there. Whew. Mike Williams is fast.
2: Uh, man. Two of them are incoming freshmen, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But they're, they're both Longer sub 10, you know, like 10, 7, yeah. 10, 600. Yeah, Ramir, really, fast. Really fast.
2: Yeah. All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. All right. Anything else on the defensive side? Nope. All right. Let's uh, head to the mailbag.
1: Yeah, we had another great week of uh, mailbag questions come in. Uh, you can always uh, email us at gobigredcast at gmail. And, of course, we're at gobigredcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, the first question comes in. And I don't know if this is really a question. I guess it's more a comment, but it's from Twitter, Corey. And he was referring to defenses here, and he just was talking about positionless players. Uh, appears that the new defensive trend is to battle offensive innovation. I. That's really interesting to me because obviously we're doing that with players that can play multiple positions and everything. But if that's true, this whole concept of positionless players and you're trying to, to battle offensive innovation, what better offense to do that against than Nebraska? Mm-hmm. Dave, let me throw this over to you, I guess. What are your thoughts on the concept of this positionless player idea and just we're recruiting you hear it on the D line, right? You can play yeah. any any spot. What what are your, what are your thoughts? I, I, there?
2: I think this is a, a, a great question or, or comment. The cyclical nature of of football, right? In the sense that right now it, it's clearly swung the the pendulum is swung to the offensive side. It feels like, and and I, I've read a few articles um, from both college and NFL. I think last year saying that you know the, the defense. Of innovations have not been able to keep up with the offense, and they are they're playing 1990s defense at times in the NFL against against the Rams, and, and that was like midseason. And then suddenly, the Rams or the Chiefs or whoever was having a great offensive, uh, you know, the Saints. And, but at Super Bowl, Super Bowl, suddenly it's 13 to three, and the Patriots have been able to figure out how to stop that. Um, so uh, it, it is amazing to to see how. Uh, defenses learn how to react to these innovative offenses, and maybe position as players is a, a way to, to do that. We talked about the defensive line tonight, and also things like Jojo Doman being able to really be either, is he a safety or is he a linebacker? And I, I think in this day and age, especially with fast-paced offenses that don't let you substitute as often. All those type of things, you have to have that type of versatility uh, with the players on the field at that time. So it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I agree, Dave. I think that, I think that's a good point there. Uh, let's move on to the, the second question. I'm going to hand this one over to, to Boomer because you like to go back and forth with this guy a little bit on uh, on Twitter. It's from Law, Politics, and Football. And uh, he asked the question, and he gave a couple examples. I'm not even going to give you the examples. I just want to ask the question. And just let you, you know, come up with whatever you want. He says, "What do you see as our biggest vulnerability slash weakness in conference play?"
2: Our biggest Can you vulnerability. Repeat that again, honky. I want to hear that again. Our big the teams. What biggest- do you
1: see as as Nebraska's biggest vulnerability slash weakness in conference play. In
2: conference play, that's specific the, in conference play.
1: Yeah. I'll give you the examples he gave for a second, but again, I don't want to leave well, you. this you know, way yeah, he I, said D, li- D line question mark or something else question mark. Point is, like I, I, this could th- be anything from coaching to whatever, whatever you think.
3: Yeah, I think mm. there's two things I would probably bring up. um One of it is, I think we're closing the gap, and the other one I'm not sure um you know the first one i you know we i think we're still behind as far as you know strength training goes for the team and the players um now we are making great strides you know this off season just from all the things we've heard they certainly look better in the in the in the shots we've seen so i think that's going to help a lot i don't think we're going to look quite as overwhelmed and I'm hoping you don't hear Iowa talking about how you know clearly they look so much bigger than we do you know at the end of the mm-hmm. game, you know like they did last year so but I still think we've got some room to grow there, so I think there's still going to be a mismatch there. and I do wonder about special teams um, uh, I think uh, coach uh, uh, you know javon he um, DeWitt. yeah duet yeah, yeah he was out with uh, he's got throat, know, throat cancer game. he was our special teams coach last year and now they're going to have to spread that out uh-huh. again you know, among different coaches, taking on different aspects of it. And I don't know if that's going to affect us again coming to this next season. I mean, special teams was a weakness last year, and it hurt us in various times in the game. It, you know, we we tend to forget about it, but, you know, that was a big part of a lot of wins and losses. And, you know, when you don't that's have a that, that focus coach, I, I mean... just kind of hope we don't uh, lose track of that somewhere in, in the mass of, you know, fixing offense, defense, stepping up there. Let's make sure we can get that taken care of. And, and I Absolutely. hope they can, the staff. Hopefully, he can do that. So. I
1: think leave it to Boomer, the the special teams coordinator of the RedCast, to to mention that. But I think that's a great point, Boomer, because this is this is the time of year. Spring ball is a great time to be developing punters, kickers, returners. You know, coming up with different schemes, all those kinds of things that you can do on the on the uh, special team side. And I mentioned it earlier about Coach DeWitt not being there for the outside linebackers, but you're absolutely right; he's not there for the special teams either, and that's that is key. And I also think you're right on on the weight room piece. It is amazing. It's awesome what coach Duvall has done with these guys and and Frost has obviously highlighted 13 pounds of lean muscle per player. But but that's 13 pounds added to guys that back in against Iowa, you know, just 3 months ago, 4 months ago, whatever it was, Frost said, you know, we, we we're small. I mean, so that those 13 pounds yeah. aren't are, they're not a differentiating factor for us right now. They're still in the process of catching us up. And so I don't know if, you know, you know, I don't know if we were eighteen pounds short or twenty three pounds short of right. of Iowa, but I know that we're at least thirteen pounds closer right now. But I think I think that's a great point, Boomer, to at least identify that that is still an area that it I you know Duvall didn't say we we're there. Mm. He texted uh, Frost yeah. that we're almost there, or like or I can't remember, oh shoot, I can't think of the exact. Text he said the season. old Nebraska is almost back. Yeah, he said the old Nebraska is mm. almost back, and that almost is important. We're not maybe quite there, but we could be there by
0: August. Well I mean there yeah, there's an entire summer to uh, yeah. to get better at too Michael is there anybody uh any new freshman coming in that you would be excited or to maybe put in that return game or somebody you're looking to have you any given any thoughts to who you'd like to see I have not maybe Oh, Dave, someone who starts have someone with a W
2: and first name starts with an R. I don't know. Yeah,
0: that guy can do it. That guy can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but let's.
3: I kind of want to watch the spring game and see you know how everyone looks. I want to see how the kickers are looking this year. Um, see if we've got a, a standout kicker and punter. It'll be kind of fun to watch. That's what I'll be paying attention to. So, because I'm yeah. cool like that. So,
1: all right. I, Oh, I'm sorry, it's, Dave.
2: No, I just wanted like from the punting perspective. You know, Armstrong. There's a, a little bit of hype there. Talking about hype for Londell Robinson. There's a little bit of hype for uh, Isaac Armstrong. I mean, I, I people are saying that he, even a limited role last year that he was really impressive and and could be an all Big Ten punter next year. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh Well, thank you, Law, Politics, and Football. And uh, we have a third question. And this is a repeater uh, from just a week ago, Merle. And Merle, he, I don't know, he, he must be a frustrated like guy. Where is Merle
3: from th- again, Hockey? Is it? <laughs> he did not, uh, we, it Emerald. does not say, yeah. I'll oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say
1: Merle from Emerald. I have no <laughs> idea. It does not say where he's from. But, fair. Um, I'm going to ask this the boomer, but Dave, I absolutely want you to piggyback right off of his answer. How does baseball beat number three Texas Tech on one night and then lose to Sam Houston the next, Boomer?
3: Well, first off, Sam Houston's not a bad team. I mean, they're a pretty solid baseball team. They were, I think, we a last, you know, bottom of the ninth inning game from beating Mississippi State in the same series there with Fresco. So they're they're a solid baseball team. So it's not a not a horrible team to lose to the way we lost is what was frustrating about it i mean when you have a 9 to 2 lead and then you stumble into one inning and basically any mistake you could possibly make in an inning they pretty much made and you're going to lose to anybody you know when you have you know multiple errors and just just pitching kind of breaks down and yeah it, it, that's going to happen to anybody so it was frustrating. It's a game they should have won, you know, especially coming off that Texas Tech win. As as good as Texas Tech is, I mean, beating the same Houston State would have been great. And the fact we didn't get to play Mississippi State was kind of frustrating too. So I really would have liked to have won both those games there. Um, but you know, it's it's not the worst loss in the world. I'll just say that. But yeah, you know, actually, it, it was maybe, a winnable game. Is the frustrating part about it? So
1: actually, Boomer, maybe that's what I'll ask Dave here is. How big of a, a loss is not playing Mississippi State in that non-conference? Is that going to hurt us down the line, do you think, in terms of, you know, our ranking of, of you know, of uh, opponents, you know, strength of schedule, all that?
2: Well, I mean, considering the Arctic conditions that Nebraska is facing uh, and how many home games may be canceled or postponed, uh, sure, it, it could have an impact. You want to have as many of those opportunities as you can – Uh, get your hands on so not having mississippi state uh having baylor at baylor now even just you know random games that we just want to actually play baseball is is a concern i i think it really is because you don't know when when you're going to have those games and there could be a significant difference in the amount of baseball played by northern teams this year and southern teams due to this uh very um, long-lasting winter that is impacting the entire Midwest. To to Sam Houston State, I, I just looked. Their uh, like baseball RPI is twenty-seven right now. Yeah, they're seven. Uh, Sam Houston State's yeah. not a bad program at all. Uh, smaller conference, uh, good team, and so that to Boomer's point, it was one disastrous inning that should never have. They shouldn't have had that happen. Very disappointing they lost that game, but. The, the, the trick there with, with baseball, especially for fans that typically don't follow baseball, is that keep in mind in the major leagues, which is at the highest level, and they're the richest professional athletes in the world, you win six, six out of ten games, and that is an amazingly successful season. You go six and four, and that's really, really good. So you lose games like this um, to any team that has a reasonable talent level. And so I'm not surprised that we lost to Sam Houston State. Terribly disappointed on how we lost to Sam Houston State. Very proud that they beat Texas Tech the night before. Great pitching performance. That makes a difference. That is going to be a win that will count later in the year. So, Yeah.
1: And for what it's worth, uh, the Stratosphere has seven to three odds that the College World Series will be played in Waco this year. So hopefully the (laughs) the polar vortex has moved on by, by July, but we have no idea. So I'm sure this I'm sure Lincoln schools or Lincoln area schools will still be going on in July because of all the snow days. So <laughs> anyways, thank you, uh, Merle and uh, Law, Politics and Football and Twitter, Corey, for your your questions. And again, if you'd like to submit questions to the Redcast mailbag, you can do it at Go Big Redcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or hey, Go Big hey, Redcast email.
2: Just, just for the fun of it, really quick. Again, I'm looking on world.com. Nebraska, I was looking at the RPIs. Okay. Texas Tech RPI, number one in the country right yep. now. Wow. And hey, Nebraska... Sam Houston State is, yeah. is 27th. Nebraska? Mississippi... I'm sorry, Boomer, i always run, run these off really quick. Mississippi State was 55. Okay. So that's a loss, but it's not as good as Sam Houston State right now. Nebraska is eighteen. Holy Well, yeah. well actually, it's early. there's not a lot of games,
3: but it's still, yeah. you know, it's nice to be there. And just wow. to kind of show you some of the that disparity. It's just an indication
2: of the strength of schedule, you know, likely. What we've already played is... is Wow. And just to show you some of the kind of weirdness in the
3: games that have played, like uh, Tennessee's played 13 games already, Coastal Carolina's played 14, Yale's played 7. So, I mean, it's just... Northern schools have such a disadvantage in this in so many ways, it's just kind of incredible. So
1: Which I think was Merle's question a week ago. Yeah, about it was how, you know, yeah, it's just kinda fascinating. The,
3: yeah. The challenges northern schools have in this. But
1: Actually, Dave, now that you mentioned that, us being eighteenth, even though it's just right now it's a you know, a freeze frame of you know, picture in time, but like we're 18th right now but how does that compare to other big 10 schools is there anyone even remotely close to us i was
3: 14 i was like right next to yeah me. i
1: was at <laughs> yeah, a pretty solid yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, but max just re- Ma- mac cares much as much about baseball as he does basketball
2: but northwestern to is me 20th. Yeah. once
0: we get to omaha i will come back on the show if...
2: <laughs> indiana's 31
1: but but Nor- did you say northwesterns
2: Yeah, Northwestern's twentieth. Northwestern's four and six. They've had uh, games against
3: BYU and Duke and Cal and Georgia Tech. So they've been yeah, they played some decent
2: teams. To to my point, I guess is is RPI is largely a reflection of who you played at this point. Yeah, and so I'm just simply saying I think the Nebraska strength of schedule shows up already by playing Oregon State and Texas Tech uh, early here in the year. And so that that that's not a bad thing because you're starting from a – even though the the win loss record may not be exactly what you want right now, at least your thre- strength of schedule is going to be strong, yeah. and we can build on that. So well, we got to get th- wins.
1: I have a fourth quick question uh, from the mailbag. This is this from M Honky? No, wait, no Mad H. Um, <laughs> it, are Big Ten schools like Northwestern and so on? Are they are they like money games for baseball like the way that you know in football we would? bring up Troy or something. Troy's a bad example, but you know, bring up a team, you know, money game, you know, the easy win. Is that what, like, why is Northwestern playing all these teams that would make them a, a 14 RPI when obviously they're not going to win any of these?
2: Well, almost to a T, the Northern schools go ahead and play these various different tournaments or are a road, you know, a visitor to Southern schools for really the first month of the, of the season at least because they have and no choice, right? So, right. Right. You yeah, can't play at home. Right. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota has, I, I, I still stick to the point that Minnesota should be a ho- the big tension to host a, like a mini in conference conference tournament in, in Minnesota at the, the, the dome there and, and build some, some early season uh, games that way, because uh, Everybody else has to go to the south. Uh, Minnesota does have a, a, a kind of a, a tournament there, but it could be a conference tournament, practically, where you're just getting some early season games in amongst yourselves. But yeah, it, everybody else travels to the south. I mean, so Northwestern does the same thing. So
1: they are money games. <laughs> I mean, <it's> still. <laughs> you got to fill
2: it with somebody, I guess. Well, I mean, it depends and, on yeah. what your perspective is. I mean, I don't think Nebraska thinks that the that going to play. Oregon's uh, Oregon State in Me- Mesa or Peoria or wherever it was we played them was money games I mean I suppose maybe an Oregon State fan thinks well that was just a slaughter right but I mean we felt like we had an opportunity to, to, yeah. to pull off a win there I, I suppose I, the other big Ten programs that don't view themselves as trying to be competitive in baseball like Northwestern sure that's they're just
1: I, I, actually I would look at Nebraska differently and and part of this is because we've made a college world series, you know, in recent times and all that, but also we got to play Oregon state four straight times. I know we lost them, but like that is still to me, that's, that's a, a, a reflection of relevance is that the fact that Oregon state played Nebraska four times, like it would, would Oregon state play Northwestern four times? Would they play certain other big 10 teams four times? I can picture them playing Indiana. I can picture yeah, them yeah. even playing Michigan, but like, like, it does elevate you to where like you this is the same thing with like in football playing a home and away against somebody like means something yeah. right you know yeah, like, Nebraska is not going to play a home and away with Duke we're just typically not going to but we'll play a home and away with certain levels of teams and I, I don't know I guess I, I I don't know if it's a apples to apples kind of thing comparing it to baseball but
3: there's some of that I mean like like Michigan's got a three game series against Texas Tech I think at the end of the year I mean you wouldn't expect Northwestern to to play, you know, three games against Texas Tech, like you said. But Michigan, right. yeah, you can get away with that. And so, yeah, you're probably right. There is some of that uh, prestige factor to it. And it's nice that you can be viewed as one of those prestige kind of schools that it's worth playing it three or four times. You know, it's not going to destroy, mm-hmm. you know, Oregon State to play Nebraska that many times. Or if they played, you know, Northwestern or it. something like that, yeah. it, it's <laughs> not. not I mean, really Nebraska
2: good. has an unusual situation being in Nebraska with the cultural series <laughs> being in Nebraska. I yeah. think it, it's easier for us to – to attract schools, aid the facilities in Lincoln are top notch, and they know they're going to play in front of people.
1: Well,
3: it right? might not be yep. until
2: twenty twenty until you get to play in front of people here, Dave. At the rate this is <laughs> going, but. normally speaking, you you play in front of people in Haymarket Park uh, unless you know we're in a blizzard until May. But that that that's a that's a draw, right? And, yeah. and B those those teams like Baylor or we play Arizona State later this year, is that right? Yeah. Late non conference. Yep. Uh they're gonna fly up they're they're flying in Omaha and clearly going by T D Ameritrade just, just to say their players, hey this is what we're play for, right? Yeah. And then let's go play Nebraska and Lincoln in front of four thousand people. And that's we're it's a top top six or seven stadium easy for baseball from an attendance perspective. And that makes a difference. Those those southern schools are more willing to do that. When they feel like they're going to have a competitive game in front of a crowd, and they can
0: pair that with a visit to Omaha,
1: Mac would actually like to contribute I, here to baseball. I, I
0: can't believe this. I have a, I have a baseball question. Uh, long time listener, first time talker. Uh, <laughs> so, I know, I know, Erstad won the Big Ten not so very long ago, and no coach is immune from the hot seat. But what kind of season are we talking about him needing to have this year? For there to be no talk of hot seat or, 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 like, what's, what's the expectation for this season? Are we, are we talking a regional? Or are we talking a, are we talking a deep run? Or are we talking, like, what's a, what's I, the feel good?
2: Well, there's two things. they feel good or feel better, at least, and, and no hot seat whatsoever. The no hot seat scenario is you make the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and, and, and you win a few games. I, I I have such high expectations on this program. We not only should we make the tournament, you know, three out of four years at minimum, but we should actually be competitive in that tournament. And that's probably the biggest knock on Erstad is when he's made the NCAA tournament, they have not looked good in those performances. Um, considering last year's overall, you know, it's just disaster of a season. I think your starting point is you definitely have to make the Big Ten yes, tournament, absolutely. which is the top eight, and then uh, I think at that point, I think the Big Ten is now a multi bid league. So if you can finish in the top four or so, you should feel like an honest opportunity to make the NCA tournament without a, a lot of uh, conversation. So I, I think that's where you like start: a make the <laughs> the Big Ten tournament, b finish top four. And see if you want no controversy whatsoever. Make the tournament and look competitive in in um,
0: the the regionals. And, and on a scale of one to ten, ten being no no concerns about those goals being met. What's the roster talent that we have this year, like to to make those goals? I mean, I don't I don't know anything about this team. I, 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 know I think the game. roster
2: talent's good enough to finish in the top four in the Big Ten. Okay, yeah. all right. I mean, it's, so, it's,
3: a, it's a younger roster. I don't want to steal from P.J. Fleck here as, again, like we <laughs> talked about earlier. but
0: uh, The real youth movement?
3: There's ta- yeah, it's, there's youth there. It, there's some talent there. They just have to kind of get some confidence, I think. In...
2: They terribly underperformed yeah, last they have, year, they, so they, Yeah, I just feel like you cannot tie them to that. Yeah. And so I feel like if they can get a few more non-conference wins, they're going to be competitive in Big Ten play, and that, that can position them to be in the, the, the conversation for postseason play. Yeah, and
3: baseball is such a mental game in so many ways, and I think they haven't quite grasped, you know, what they can do yet because you kind of saw it against Oregon State. They had a, a, at least a chance to win one game against Oregon State, and they let it get away from them. I mean, mm-hmm. that second game they should have won. I mean, they had chances to win that game. And they just didn't quite do it. Same thing against, you know, uh, same Houston State. You know, they should have won that game but couldn't put it away, and it's just kind of that youth and inexperience kind of thing. They just A little confidence on them, I think, will go a long way. So let's um, yeah. see what they can do here going well, forward and yeah, you know, right. play against the Baylor. I'll have Baylor. periodic yeah.
0: questions throughout the uh, spring yeah. game. Well, spring I, I,
1: know, I know Dave wants to get us on to uh, parting shots, and, and we should, but I, I have two quick things before, uh, before we end the mailbag here. Mac, can you please give us your best PJ Fleck uh, impression about being young? <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting well, you on the spot. When you're young, like we are. And you have youth everywhere, like freshmen. Um, There's a a tendency, because of your immaturity, to uh, struggle with new things because it's the first time you've gone through them ever because you're a freshman roll the boat yeah <laughs> all right roll boat right. <laughs> schema um i didn't upgrade my ex-wife and i love uh i'm, I'm all about my players and jerry kills a jerk <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and my second thing
1: and dave i'm going to give it to you for firing shots my second thing is i i want to create one quick new segment this can take less than 30 seconds boomer what is your drink of the week
3: my drink of the week the one what i you just on? had while yeah, we were tonight
2: <laughs> oh,
0: drink okay. of tonight. Drink of tonight. So the drink of
3: tonight is very,
2: uh, very sophisticated, boomer. Well, yeah,
3: tonight was the improved gin cocktail. So it's just a kind of a classic uh, take on a very traditional uh, drink, the gin cocktail. So this is just a slightly uh, stepped up version. A couple ounces of gin. About a tablespoon of maraschino liqueur, half a tablespoon of simple syrup, a few dashes of bitters, Angostura I find works best in the shake and, and pour over the uh, garnish of your choice, lemon or maraschino cherry, which you got on hand. So sophisticated drink, definitely grown up and adult, so okay. Enjoy it. I wash
1: I wash my hands of this segment. Dave, it's to you.
2: All right, let's do parting shots. Honky, take it away.
1: Okay, well, back to me. Um, I want to give congrats to Tanner Farmer. We were talking about yes. the, uh, the times yes. and different things going on from Pro Day to Day. But Tanner Farmer had himself a heck of a day. Broad jump uh, would have topped all linemen at the Combine. And his bench would have tied for first in Indianapolis last week with 39 reps. So I mean, those are outstanding. Congrats to him. And the other thing we, we didn't really touch on during the show here tonight, but just in the last week, uh, Michigan has come into Omaha and offered Xavier Watts and teddy prashaska prashaska i don't know exactly how to pronounce it but he's the elkhorn south 2020 offense alignment xavier watts yep. is the 2019 yep. or maybe it's 2020, 2020. yeah 2020. 2020 and then praska is the 2021 but point is going into the Omaha metro we've got michigan coming in here now too on top of you know, many other schools not just regional so um uh it's not a given that we're always going to get the best kids out of the state right. <clears> but that's that's the challenge that Frost and company have and they've shown a year ago getting the top five out of state of Nebraska that we've got the right staff to get the get the best kids here from local
2: yeah so you're telling me there's talent in state hockey. Huh, it's Is that right? cra- it's
1: crazy it's a crazy idea and it's only happened by the way by the way Dave it's only happened in the last year or two we have ne- that's the problem we just we had zero talent for the last 10, 15 years. But I think it's finally yeah. changed. The, now, rivals,
0: that, the Rivals Matrix is autocorrecting. Yeah, I mean, now All that... A sudden, yeah. Nebraska's talent has gotten better. We, that's we that's finally, how our recruiting rankings go up, and that's how we become competitive, and it'll be...
1: Yeah, we finally have kids worth recruiting. That's the, that, you know... My gosh, thank God we're past that 15-year, yeah. you know, yeah. lapse of...
0: No, that's right. It was a drop. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. correct.
2: <laughs> All right, Mac, what do you got?
0: Uh, I just want a quick parting shout-out to Mother Nature... We get it. You win. This winter is awesome. We are feeble. We're at your mercy. Please stop. I moved into this house
2: hey, Mac, in it was February. I have, scooped, in I have a
0: corner lot and a humongous driveway, and I have had to scoop that thing every weekend that I have moved in there so far. My kids are of no help. You know, my wife just <laughs> films it and thinks it's funny. But but you win. I've got one shovel. <laughs> one shovel. Uh, maybe
2: one of the other Redcasters have a snowblower you could borrow, Mac uh, Boomer. How about you? Uh,
3: well, I've got uh, two quick parting shots from following hockey's footsteps. Uh, first off, I think as all of our loyal listeners know, the other big passion of the Redcast is uh, professional wrestling. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick. Uh, um, in memoriam to uh dick bayer the destroyer who uh died today at the age of 88 so uh, one of the first masked men in professional wrestling a uh, definite classic and legend of the sports so uh yeah rest in peace there sir and uh just finally i've, I've changed my mind and yeah if you want to make me big 10 commissioner go right ahead i'll gladly accept that job and i'll do my darndest to toss out rutgers and maryland and bring in over home and uh notre dame so let's make it happen what about king nice. kong
0: bundy mike Yeah, King Kong Bundy, but he
3: died a few days ago, so that's good. I mean, we'll give him a five count. Nobody knows when we're recording. Well, that's a good point, yeah.
0: (laughs) This is uh,
1: Thursday, March 7th.
3: Now they they know. We lost King Kong Uh, Bundy as well this week, so give a five count in his honor, everybody. I didn't know that. It's been a bad week for ex-wrestlers,
2: so... It typically is. Yeah, pretty much any week is a bad week for Nick ex So, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, enjoyed the show. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Wendell
0: Robinson, 2020 Heisman. Induct the Baron.